Hi, this is Better Read Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about Naked Lunch, which is William S. Burroughs' 1959 word monster about body fluids and and heroin and bad institutions and butts, I think. Not in a nice way, like not in a Melville way, like in yeah. a gross way. Yes, that I no. I think that that is a hundred percent accurate <laughs> description of this novel. So, yeah, as a butt lover, that's yeah. not part of it for me. Get, get any good butts out of your mind. Get yeah. them out of your yeah. mind. Just sever yourself completely from any recollection or memory of them because this will ruin the butt for you. <laughs> this will ruin every body part for you, frankly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just an orb of light now. You all can't see me because this is a podcast, but. <laughs> but that's your form. I'm just a dripping syringe. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay. Why Naked Lunch? Why to pick it? So in high school, I remember my sister saying that a lot of her friends claimed to have read this book, but quote from her, they didn't understand it because no one understands it. <laughs> um, and I think that she's, right i think she's kind of right but i first read it in maybe like i think my senior year of high school because i was very into other beats like ginsburg and corso and john holmes and and never kerouac like thanks <laughs> like i read it and i was like Ugh, dork shit yeah for boys yeah yeah dude, like, kerouac's dude shit for dudes dude <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah bro i know i mean i still think that book as an 18th century novel is like kind of cool, but yeah. not for real. Yeah, it's it, it had potential that it failed to <laughs> execute. But. If that were if Jack Kerouac were a 19th or 18th century novelist, he would be forgot so forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> the most yeah, forgotten yeah. man. Yeah. Okay, that's true. <laughs> and he's like a white man, so if he's forgotten in the 18th or 19th century, that's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> so I read it, and I, you know, fuck what? What the fuck? What? What the fuck is? What the fuck? Yeah, at, at 18, and like for a long time, I explained. You know, someone would say like, "What do you think of it?" or or whatever, and I would say the same thing. I've said when people ask me if I've read Finnegan's Wake, which is like, I'm not sure I've read it so much as the book <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> like, I read every word, and yet it was a failure. Like, that, yeah. that, that is sort of what reading Finnegan's Wake is like, except less grueling, even though it's a thousand pages long. But I read junkie then in grad school and i fell in love with that version like the early version of burrows which has this really interesting destabilizing flatness like a flat affective charge that is really different from a lot of other early 50s stuff he has ways of like actually writing <laughs> the shit that he's like a medium for a naked lunch or something like He's mm -hmm. right. He actually writes his way through that in his yeah. earlier books, which is like how writing is. 
You know who loved Junkie was Anthony Bourdain, who also was a Junkie, <laughs> which is kind of. A, but I don't know. Like I, I, uh, I will say I don't know. I'm a, I'm an un- unapologetic Bourdain stand. I, I will say like his his opinions on 20th century literature, I kind of trust in a lot of ways. So anyway, but <laughs> he's your he's your guy. I he think is, it's a yeah. very good book. I think that, you know, his yeah. opinion is correct. Yeah. Yeah. In that regard. Stamp it and send it to the correct opinions mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dead letters office that yes. Bartleby yeah. used to work yeah. at. Yeah. yeah. And so there's this moment in, in Junkie where he's like, it it moves all over the the place and he's describing New Orleans and he says, People wander around unrelated, purposeless most of them looking vaguely sullen and hostile because this is a place where you enjoy yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. funny. Like there are yeah. these, yeah. they're actually naked lunch is funny too, but not for realsies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny if you're like somebody who wants to read that way, but it's, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, it yeah. doesn't have like funny sentences. You, you gotta really, if you want to make the comedy yourself, in this one you've to it's too it's too hard to do it's it. hard well, yes i, I, I mean, agree i'm gonna try guys <laughs> i mean we are about to say funny shit about it but that's yes. not the yeah. same yeah no exactly he thought it was very funny he did yeah i did not find any of it amusing <laughs> I mean, I'm going to read some quotes from the mary mccarthy review where she's like oh this is very funny okay um, all right all right but I'm not invested in that thought that that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not this is not a book that I picked out of like a a, des- a, a desire to evangelize for it, right? right. Like there are yeah, books yeah. that I pick because I'm like everyone should read Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. It's the best fucking book of the 20s. TM. Yeah. This I don't feel like that about this. Right, 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 right. But his novel Queer is also good. That's also earlier than this, and I suspect that this is because Burroughs had Allen Ginsberg to edit this shit at the time <laughs> and then he like started hanging out with Brian Jason who did cut up Burroughs stuff that's just after this is actually crazier because it's just like it's just cut ups <laughs> it's the stuff that whoever it was like Tristan Zara I guess did that like caused a riot because he pulled words out of a hat or whatever Dada shit you know yeah. uh, that you like in high school but he okay sorry so like he was hanging out with brian jason a lot and he like went a little pierre on us <laughs> um and like melville bill burroughs was also like an excellent letter writer mm-hmm. and the files of the ginsburg archive are a lot of fun to read but he went in directions. Hawthorne he, what this is true right that Haw- even Hawthorne was like fuck pierre like i can't yeah it's <laughs> The way that the fuck Pierre is communicated is is like by really not saying any. He and his wife just didn't <laughs> Ignore really it. say anything about it. They just mentioned they mentioned Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> they just like moved past it. Pierre's kind of the point where Hawthorne's like, maybe I should just ghost this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, this is, this is not worth it to me. He's clearly much more invested than I am. You love me so much. And yet. I mean, could you say that about Burroughs? Anyway, that would be somebody write that paper. I guess I kind of already did. But in all honesty, I picked it for my first choice of the season because I like episodes 
this podcast where we get confused and annoyed and ask questions about how much jizz is too much jizz. Whatever (laughs) amount in this is the amount that's too much. I would say less than is in this book would still be too much for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. And I picked like better stuff for later. So like (laughs) Edith Wharton is going to be coming up and like, the but but remember that lily bart is also a junkie so maybe that's my theme this <laughs> okay oh yeah. so this was about theming yeah it goes with the house of mirth <laughs> wow Fight okay me. all right <laughs> There's a there's a there's a claim for the season. Let's let's see how that yeah, works. Yeah, it's a really good class. It's called Junkies. <laughs> good job, me. I mean, I would <laughs> I would fucking important. teach that class for sure with you. We could do uh, Confessions of an English Opium Eater and just like, <gasps> hey, look at Coleridge being high, you know? Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> well, we yeah. could also just do like a big season. We could just do so much like fucking Baudelaire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, there's, I mean, oh after, throughout, throughout, from like eight, from like 1790 to like now, you're not going to run out of possibilities. You're going to really like go through a lot of junkies. Yeah. Although, actually, Edith Wharton wasn't the junkie, it's just the character. Yeah. Um, Katie, uh, why did you want to have it happen to you? Why? <laughs> why? Uh, why naked lunch? Why naked lunch? <laughs> why? I am a never nude now. <laughs> no. <laughs> I eat no middle of the day meals. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. No eating at high noon and no nudity ever. No naked lunches, no naked anything. I'm a strictly clothing only individual. I think Winnie the Pooh should put some pants on and be arrested. And also the <laughs> fact that Tigger is allowed to bounce around naked appalls me at a visceral <laughs> level now. This book made me a conservative because I'm thinking about thinking about cartoons nude. Yeah, no, uh, this was tough. This was tough to read and to experience. I did have a little bit of fun because there was a slight miscommunication at the beginning. And I read a book called Naked at Lunch, which is <laughs> about a guy who plays pickleball and does a bunch of other vacation crap without any clothes on. Okay. okay. Yep. Nud- nudist vacation. All right. Got it. This this will be coming back. I would read that book too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one I would have swapped. Uh, Naked at Lunch, I'll say, is a charming romp running freely through meadows with a slight suspicious slapping sound, but not enough to ruin the mood. And this book, though, was not charming. There were no meadows, no romps, no lunch. I know what lunch is. I can think of at least two things wrong with that title. Yeah, yeah, at least, at least, (laughs) at a minimum. That's not my lines from The Simpsons. (laughs) Um, Okay, yeah. So I have to say that when I was invited to Naked Lunch, my first instinct was to decline. (laughs) But because it's five o'clock somewhere, I got the the parrot head spirit and I said yes. Buffett shout out. Love it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I said yes. I was saying yes to life. And so I went on this new adventure Suggested by Megan. Megan did this to all of us and to you. <laughs> because I put 
such good stuff later on <laughs> this season. Are you a religious maniac? A hate, hate yourself? Because the, the balancing of the scales here, I'm... <laughs> You know, I would not enough Gene Stafford in the whole world to make up for this. (laughs) We're repenting in advance. I thought I was in such base standing after D.H. Lawrence that it couldn't get any lower, and yet here we are. (laughs) Oh, look, I, I, we're gonna have a lot of naked and a lot of lunch, though. So we're we are gonna have fun with this book, and there will be some dunking for sure. But uh, I like it is very unfair to compare this to the fascist disaster that is Lady Chatterley's love. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. true. That was, that was all. That made me hate everything in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> More nauseous than this yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But I will say this is the nicest thing I have to say about this book. So get ready for it. This book is what you get when an incredibly annoying guy has one <laughs> special gift. And that one special gift is being able to perfectly represent his annoying imagination and experience of being annoying and addicted to drugs through the written word. That is 100% right. The second nicest thing that I have to say about this is that there is so much poo-poo and pee-pee in this book. It is like a lazy river of excrement to inner tube down. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is. So as you may have guess from that i am a gross person i think being gross is fun but this was not gross in a fun way this was tub girl (laughs) (laughs) gross in a fun way is billy bud yeah yes yes we were like everybody that book has just the right amount of juice yeah yep that's the perfect amount this book is tub girl no notes. <laughs> uh, I mean, it absolutely is tub girl. Not yeah. wrong, Katie. Not wrong. Um. Uh, <laughs> Tristan's going to mention Ulysses, and what I will say is that this is to Ulysses as garbage pail kids are to the cabbage patch children. <laughs> no, I would say this is to actual human children. you have to go through like three levels of mediation and then you're there yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) discussed it all discussed me equally yeah this i did read this i promise i read it i read it as i told megan and tristan on my phone which is (laughs) which is really something that i am not ashamed of well except (laughs) that you're on a list now I'm, yeah, yeah I was sure. on whatever list yeah. before from all the googling I had to do to make any of these games. <laughs> uh, CIA is going to come MK Ultra you. <laughs> I can't wait. Can we erase this from my brain? Please. Shouldn't have bought that copy of the Anarchist Cookbook. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Come do the Men in Black thing to me. I am over it. Um, there were parts I skimmed, and during those parts, I just thought to myself. No one can make me read this. No one. <laughs> Even someone with pretty hair like me. Even someone with with gorgeous, phenomenal, flowing locks still can't make me read it. <laughs> <sighs>
that's too bad. Uh, Tristan, why did you want to uh, experience this? Sure. I, I mean, look, I, I'm going to follow on some some threads that, uh, that, that that Katie just set up. So imagine, if you will, that I have just told a poorly timed 9-11 joke. Like maybe it's just a couple weeks after the actual 9-11 and the crowd at the Friars Club of all places. And these people are absolutely tasteless, right? It's like too soon. Okay. So I proceed to flip the script by reading Naked Lunch. A junkie swimming in the fucking Amazon, okay? And this little fucking fish with all these teeth swim right up his cock, and he's bleeding from his taint and acid. Okay, no, I'm not going to actually do the aristocrats here. (laughs) You could. Uh, Shout out to the late Gilbert Gottfried, and my apologies to him for that terrible impression. Um, But I did imagine uh, Gilbert Gottfried's voice reading like 95% of this book as I was going through it. It's really too bad that he's dead because he would have been a great audiobook. Yo, no, tr- oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, 100%. But I, I feel like Burroughs was doing the aristocrats joke, except Godfrey is on smack is the kind mm-hmm. of the, the, the twist, right? I literally have no idea what I think of Naked Lunch. Do I like it? Hate it? Don't care about it? I, I legitimately 100% don't know. And, uh, you know, uh, Katie, uh, Ratchet, Ulysses, th- this isn't like Ulysses, uh, which I love, by the way, where I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm not sure I can get my head around this. It's too smart for me. Here, I just couldn't begin to tell you, man. Like, <laughs> it was it was a slog to get through because, frankly, I found a ton of it kind of deathly boring. Uh, yeah. the, arist- the aristocrat stuff, which, again, is basically most of the novel, just extremely grotesque sex stuff and really just gross body stuff generally. I mean, maybe this is just me being a jaded and scarred child of the internet age, but I, I'm like, look, I, I, Bill, this, I, I know this is supposed to shock me, but not after the 15th time I've read about bleeding taints. Like, it's just the shock's gone. And I just like, okay, man. I you still know. think readers at the in 1959 that they would have still encountered that eventual boredom with yeah. the bleeding dicks. Yeah. And, and right. Yeah, and you, I mean, you said that to me, like when we were talking about this before the show and, and, and I do, you know, I mean, that did actually make me think a little bit harder about that. And, and, and I do suspect the book is doing interesting stuff with that effective boredom. Um, there's this, so at the end of this edition, I, I think probably most editions, I, I don't know. I mean, Megan, you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, they, they, they include uh, Burroughs essay, a uh, letter from a, a master addict mm-hmm. to dangerous drugs, uh, where he does have that line that, uh, morph, uh, that the morphine addict is, quote, immune to boredom. He can look at his shoes for hours and simply stay in bed. There is, this is one of those books where like the the thing where people are like, which edition do you get? Which is like a fucking annoying feature yeah. is important with Naked Lunch because they kept adding essays at the end of it. Okay. Yeah. No, that, yeah, right. Yeah. And the one, the one that I think we read had, has, has a ton at the end. And, and I did, I mean, yeah, some of that stuff I think was really helpful for, for what to think, to figure out about this. Maybe, maybe we are the not high reader watching the strung out, doped up paranoid delusions of the junkie. And that's real boring if you're not on opiates, right? Um, I was high reading this (laughs) part of it. Um, Not on opiates, but I mean, I can't imagine like, uh, 
I'm going to email somebody and get some Dilaudid and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean, like the whole thing is definitely, you know, epatella bourgeois. It's some moments, for example, you know, the malevolent medical system or when he talks about lynching, where I'm wondering if it's not mounting to some kind of pointed political critique. But I do think that that impulse dead ends kind of reactionary nihilism. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, um, yeah, but I mean, I, I am legitimately looking forward to trying to figure out what I do think about this book with you guys. Okay, so today we are talking about this book and it's sort of like account of bureaucracy, the body, the machine, the boundaries of the body, the grotesque, and it's account of the social, something like a politics. It, that's a big open question, I think. So for the summary, like I would like to make a a, suge- <laughs> a suggestion <laughs> about reading the book because it's so fucking weird, which is that just accept that it's not really a novel. Mm-hmm. And he said it wasn't. So so we're gonna we're gonna just do that. Some people don't care about that. That's fine. You don't have to. But when you think of it in relation to experimental novels, so like once we've read Moby Dick or Pierre or Ulysses, it doesn't meet the criterion of having fucking characters, which like, thank you, the 18th century, you gave us the idea that human beings might be representable and that that is cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. Yeah. Uh, This book represents a very different account of human interiority. Let's just... Let's yeah, just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, there there are not. Well, there are characters like Doctor Benway, but they're. Not, I mean, they're not. It you know there are there are word objects in this book that are given names, but it would yes. really like the, the, the a claim that any of those amount to like what we novel studies people might call a character is really really hard. I think to sustain even in the most and they're certainly not types, right? So like that account, which we can also talk about with novels in some ways, isn't here either, right? So yeah. that's like okay. Well, there are actually other ways to talk about that but not this way yeah. so what i would say is like it might work better to sort of follow themes or and really what i'm going to do is just give you like a couple scenes and pretend that's a summary and that is reading like burroughs wants you to read because he says you can start anywhere mm-hmm. and that's not really true you can start at the beginning of any chapter <laughs> which i should have told you guys so you could skip some <laughs> and you can fill in as we go if you if you're like I'm dying to talk about those scenes with that thing. Nope. So <laughs> nope. So the early part of the book offers something like a a catalog of addiction, and it's very committed to the particularity of heroin and opiate addiction mm-hmm. as a sort of like structuring condition of the junkies whole being i guess is how i would suggest that right like they're great books that are about like acid or 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 weed or liquor or whatever that are like kind of interesting and this one is not (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh, one one book about uh, acid that is definitely not interesting that we did on the podcast is of course the electric kool-aid acid test test. (laughs) yeah uh don't do acid with neil cassidy i think is the lesson there i'm sure burroughs in fact did plenty of drugs with neil cassidy yeah they both loved drugs (laughs) and really brings people together really brings people together at least when Cassidy was uh, driving the the magic school bus around the country, he uh, he w- he was more a speed guy at that at that uh, particular moment. 
That's who you want behind the wheel. What we can learn <laughs> is that like junkies can live forever. Like if they don't yeah. overdose, it's not as hard on your body as speed or or alcohol, which is yeah. bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in terms of like potential to overdose, it is like one of the Very most dangerous high. drugs. It is one of the most clearly addictive drugs. But yeah, like Absolutely. it actually does not appear outside of those things. It does not appear to have particularly negative um, effects on the body, which is, yeah, as you said, absolutely wild. Like, Especially yeah. because the withdrawal is so yes. intense. They yes. think that the yeah. body is so consumed by this this consumption, sorry, that yeah. like it's like withdrawing from alcohol. Like it can kill you. Yeah. But it didn't kill William S. Burroughs because he lived a long ass fucking yeah. life. A surprisingly long time, yes. Yeah. I mean, especially for the beats who mostly croaked out at about 40, yeah. except for Ginsburg, who was not actually he was a drugs guy in the way that like is cool. Like, right. he would take acid to, like, draw or right. a man like some weed. Like, perfectly fine consumption of drugs. Yeah. Ginsburg was the sober guy at beat parties, which is kind of amazing to think of. Pretty that, strange. That you know? <laughs> he, like, given – I mean, I we all know I, like, I kind of am in love with Alan Ginsburg a little bit. But, like, he was totally the same guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you go through his letters, they're really, he keeps being like, could you drink less? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine sitting next to Bill Burroughs at a dinner party. He's <laughs> not coming to the dinner party. I will say. He's he not showing up until 10. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 If he, if he shows up at all. I will say that, uh, that cl- maybe you'll talk about this, but that, that clip you have of, the, of old, old uh, Bill Burroughs talking about his, his visual artwork and he's wearing like this fucking sweater vest and a tie. And he just is like this. I mean, he looks like a fucking old ass, like tenured professor. And it's just like, what, what, what? <laughs> like that is the older version of this person. <laughs> he looked very weird. I mean, in general, but he would, he, he dressed, like usually in a suit like in an old gray suit (laughs) and the representation of him is actually like its own sort of iconic thing i would suggest okay so we can start anywhere but but like tristan said you know the junkie is is never bored because he can stare at his fucking shoe all all day um (laughs) but it would also seem that the sort of state of being a junkie cuts up time in fairly horrifying ways it also cuts up the body like into its pieces but also into its like excrements and there's fucking jizz everywhere and like blood and and poo and it's it's just generally you know gross i'm so i'm gonna read it's only a paragraph but he says this is page six of my edition and he says like you know how old people lose all shame about eating and it makes you puke to watch them Old junkies are the same about junk. They gibber and squeal at the sight of it. The spit hangs off their chin and their stomach rumbles and all their guts grind in peristalsis while they cook up, dissolving the body's decent skin. You expect any moment a great blob of protoplasm will flop right out and surround the junk. Really disgust you to see it. And it's like, this book disgusts me to see it. <laughs> and that, that sort of like confluence of ickies and bodies is gonna be a major theme so that's like the early part that's that's my version and then a different scene is a third of the way in ish and it's this very 
in, infamous, famous. Let's say both threesome, um, which is staged as a movie, which is quite burrowsy too. It's like, I'm going to do my intermediate bullshit, right? Where it's just like, yeah, this is a movie or this is a play or, or now mm-hmm. it's, well, now I'm thinking that this is like a bad Ulysses. <laughs> yeah. What if Ulysses were bad? <laughs> it would actually just be Finnegan's Wake, sorry. Oh, burn, burn on Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> so, oh God, how do I describe the scene without making myself vomit? It's the characters have all kinds of like, when I say dirty sex, I mean that like in quotes, because there's a lot of anal sex and dildos, which in 1959, this is all like shock, shock. I am so shocked. Including a steam-powered metallic one called Steely Dan, which is the namesake of the yep. bad Steely Dan, right? Yes, it sure is. I threw that in there for the outro. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I really want the Laurie Anderson song with Burroughs in it. Okay. We're going pipe in some Steely Dan now. <laughs> okay, I like it. Are you reeling in the yeast? Stowing away the time? characters like they set each other on fire and they get hanged and it's super it's like super fucked up but this has this digression it's after like a one of these many like nauseating orgasms it has all these digressions and a train roars through him whistle blowing boat whistle foghorn skyrockets burst over oily lagoons (laughs) penny arcades open into a maze of dirty pictures ceremonial cannon boom in the harbor a scream shoots down a white hospital corridor out along a wide dusty street between palm trees whistles out across the desert like a bullet vulture wings husk in the dry air a thousand boys come at once in outhouses bleak public school toilets attics basements tree houses ferris wheels deserted houses limestone caves rowboats garages barns rubbly windy city outskirts behind mud walls smell of dried excrement black dust blowing over lean copper bodies ragged pants drop to cracked bleeding bare feet places where vultures fight over fish heads by jungle lagoons vicious fish snap at white sperm floating on black water sand flies bite the copper ass i feel high as fuck right now howler <laughs> monkeys like wind in the tr- and i'm not i just fyi <laughs> howler <laughs> monkeys like wind in the trees. do you want us to wait or yeah right? <laughs> i mean 45 seconds a land of great brown rivers where whole trees float. Bright colored snakes in the branches. Pensive lemurs watch the shore with sad eyes. A red plane traces arabesques in blue substance of sky. A rattlesnake strikes. A cobra rears, spreads, spits white venom. Pearl and opal chips fall in the slow silent rain through air clear as glycerin. Okay, so he thought to himself... <laughs> Gee, no, where sex happens is really close to where poop happens. Yeah. What, what what hay can I make of that? Lemurs. You can make lemur <laughs> hay of it. Yeah. No, I mean, so, okay. So, like, I actually had a few reactions to that as, as you were re- reading that passage. One is that, like, uh, okay, so we're in, we're in, like, some dopey cartoon where, like, the characters are about, I don't know, like, Looney Tunes or something. Like, the so characters are, like, you know, the, ro- the, 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 the hard eyes at each other. And then, so you have, you, you know, there's the trade <laughs> going through the time, the, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, like, and yes, like, the gross out extra Miller, we're back in the aristocrat stuff. However, 
I, I will say, you know, just encountering that language without what I was trying to do as I went through this, which is like put it into some kind of system. It's like, okay, I mean, this is, I mean, even like don't necessarily pay attention to what the specific like signifiers are, but just the language itself. It is like quite poetic in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of like really interesting, striking images that then get punctuated with shit uh, getting thrown yeah. all over them. But, but I mean, it is, it's like, okay. So, I mean, that it is an interesting kind of rereading practice to do that non novelly thing where you're just taking a bit of text in isolation and kind of letting the images sort of flow over you so that I mean that I don't know what that says other than it gives me if I were to ever revisit that like some other way of of encountering these past the, the, you know just some of this material thank you I well, really I am an excellent reader <laughs> <laughs> yes. nice. you really brought it to life uh, no I wasn't kidding when I said he's a genius at one thing yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, totally. no, 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 and no, and 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 I mean, there is that <laughs> an annoying guy, exp- like uh, very vividly conveyed the depths of his annoying, strung out psyche. I mean, there is an interesting project embedded in that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, inter- this book is quite interesting, whether yeah. it's good, good or readable, <laughs> yes, yeah, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a really different question. Well, and also, I mean, Ari, like our last gross out book, which was Lawrence, this doesn't make me mad. It just, I'm like, doesn't what make are me, you well, doing, man? You know? So, yeah, no. <laughs> it does make me confused, which is like, yeah. I spend a lot of time feeling confused. And D.H. Lawrence makes me actually angry and not the like low grade irritation I feel almost yeah. all of the time. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> yes. that's different. <laughs> yeah. Except, also, it's so psycho that I'm just like, this fascism. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The- yeah, that was different. And that was bad. That was real bad. This so is, bad. this just makes you feel like, Bleh, and then yeah. you get over it. Yeah. It's also like, it is trying to do a certain like logic of the inner life without being like, this is consciousness. Like, which is what D.H. Lawrence really thought. He was like, yeah. he really yeah. thought coming was about like, consciousness yes he really did he really did yeah, yeah no he, yes I, I mean he yeah like and and yeah lawrence i mean as, as you guys are kind of implying definitely thought that that book was about five million times smarter than it actually is um but yeah no i mean and i like there is a there's a reactionary streak in this for sure but it's not, I mean, Lawrence is like r- right up against blood and soil fascism. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the reactionary vein here to me more just kind of reads as like nihilism and a kind of like cynicism that doesn't actually amount to anything beyond sort of cynicism. Well, I mean, that's not, yeah, that's not like a dismissive claim about the whole book. It's just to, to whatever like extent there is like a, a, a politic animating it, that that would be kind of as close as I, I could get to from from just the the general sense of this i mean that's how i feel i think it's a it's a very very nihilistic book and part of what i hate so much about lawrence is his like sincerity and his yes yes that's a great way of putting it yeah you know like this is very it's very constructed in its constructedness right like it's Mm -hmm. very aware that it's like fake or something yeah yeah, if you ask the doctor guy, are you in a book? He'd be like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. He's like, I'm in a movie in a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm in a hallucination in a movie in a book. But there's a third scene that happens, begins on page 141. This is where I actually do find it funny. Mm-hmm. And it's called The County Clerk. 
And it's one of the many scenes that offers this like hallucinatory vision of bureaucracy. So like there's a lot of an, an odd amount of stuff in this book about paperwork. And we should get in touch with with Devin and see if he has opinions about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I was th- I was thinking of Devin as we were. As, totally. As I was reading that. Yeah. And institute like institutions, not in the way that we as materialist critics mean institutions, yeah. but in the way in the in the like the the very literal sense, right? Like mental institutions or or cop shops. Mm-hmm. This piece that I'm going to read from uses the pronoun he to describe someone, and I've completely forgotten who that is. Yeah, I did, I stopped even trying to, yeah, to no. attract pronouns with with character names. Yeah. It might actually be Lee, which is the nom de guerre that Burroughs uses for himself. Right. And that, of course, as we know, Kerouac uses for Burroughs, too. He calls him Bull Lee in On the Road. He walks down a long corridor lined with doors. And you're going to ask, Megan, what is the context for the scene that you're reading? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Lined with doors, most of them nailed or boarded shut. In one office, Near East Exquisitries... On a green brass plaque, the mugwump is catching termites with his long black tongue. The door of the county clerk's office is open. The county clerk sits inside gumming snuff, surrounded by six assistants. Lee stands in the doorway. The county clerk goes on talking without looking up. I run into Ted Spigot the other day, a good old boy too. Not a finer man in the zone than Ted Spigot. Now it was a Friday, I happen to remember, because the old lady was down with the menstrual cramps, and I went to Drock. Parker's Drugstore on Dalton Street, just opposite Ma Green's Ethical Massage Parlor, where Jed's old livery stable used to be. Now Jed, I'll remember his second name directly, had a cast in the left eye and his wife came from someplace out east. Algiers, I believe it was. And after Jed died, she married up again and she married one of the Hoot boys, Clem Hoot, if my memory serves. A good old boy too. Now Hoot was around 54, 55 year old at the time. So I says to Doc Parker, my old lady is down bad with the menstrual cramps. Sell me two ounces of paragoric. So Doc says, well, Arch, you got to sign the book. Name, address, and date of purchase. It's the law. So I asked Doc what the day was, and he said, Friday the 13th. So I said, I guess I already had mine. Well, Doc says, there's a fellow in here this morning. City feller, dressed kind of flashy. So he's got him an RX for the mason jar of morphine. Kind of funny looking prescription writ out on toilet paper. I told him straight out, Mr. I suspect you to be a dope fiend. <laughs> See what I like? That's yeah. a funny moment. Yeah. No, it, it is. It is for sure. And okay. So I, sorry. I like, I don't mean to focus on like one minor detail from the passage, but it actually is a fairly big detail for the book. The interzone, which is this um, conceptual hallucinatory space that this novel constructs, I did want to ask about that because there is an actual historical referent, which is the Tangier International Zone, which was like what Tangier, it was like this colonial form, a bunch of kind of shit, like European, uh, like oversight of, of, of Tangier, which is, you know, of course, the a port on the Mediterranean. And Tangier is where Burroughs spent a lot of time high as fuck yes. writing this. But I just, I, I mean, I was, I was, as I was going, I was trying to like, like, you know, okay. So like the real historical, like, uh, edifice around this versus the, the kind of hallucinatory space of it. Is there any kind of connection there other than the name that then becomes this other thing in the, the book? I, I, I mean, I, and I have no answer to that question. I was just, 
curious if you know Megan or if you have any thoughts at all as to why he did use like a real world name that has some vague geographical connection to where some of the stuff in the novel happens, you know? I don't really I don't know. Like I don't I don't know what a, a like rigorous account would be, but I would just say something like you know, the book is full of holes, right? Like it's a leaky yeah. ass book. And so went, <laughs> no, it's a leaky book. I'm going to not say that. <laughs> um, so the real world might pop in. Yeah. I mean, and, and Mexico does too. And uh, like New York City yeah, yeah. even, right? I mean, so it is, it is. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't have a point here other than there is, there is some sort of interesting suggested proximity between actual like kind of history geography the hallucinatory space of the book but then i think the book sort of systemically blocks any attempt yeah. to like can actually do those kinds of connections right because yeah. if you try to follow any signifier and signified continuity you're just going to end up in the toilet bowl yeah yeah yeah. okay so that's that's a, a different one and then the near the end we get the examination which is a long description of an appointment in, quote, the Ministry of Mental Hygiene and Prophylaxis. Mm -hmm. um, this marks the return of Dr. Benway, who we've mentioned, and who's this sinister figure who appears frequently in the book. And a character named Carl is subject to a, quote, semen flocculation test. Um, and, there, and numerous questions about his sexual deviance. And at the end of the chapter... Carl walks across the room to the door. And that's what happens. Great job. That's what happens <laughs> in this book. Oh, man. Sorry. I just want the, the, the bad way. So apparently there is a film version of Naked Lunch, which like what, how, right? I, I, would, I just want to know. Yeah, I just want to know. I want to know any of the conversations surrounding it. Yeah. Any, I want to make a movie of this here. You should read it. I think so. What I read is because I've only seen pieces of it is that they sort of like Cronenberg, who I actually like very much, brings in a Burroughs character. Yes. Who's an exterminator, which Burroughs, in fact, was. And when he had a job and uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, uh, he also had an allowance, which I I'll talk about in a minute. So it imports the historical figure of Burroughs to give it just some shape. Yeah, and 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 I the way I've seen it described, and also apparently Roy Scheider from Jaws is in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, he is. But but yeah, it is. It's what I, it's like. It's impossible to find. It's not on any of the streaming services and stuff like that. And I, you know, I I don't. It's like we we just we can't or something, you know. But uh, but I know. It's yeah, on so, DVD, which as movies go is findable because yeah. there are still movies that are only on VHS. Right. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, for sure. Uh, that's funny. Um, but no, that so that 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 does help. Like so, how would you even do that but my other impression is that like it's it, it's it's described as kind of surrealist science fiction and the benway stuff i could see how you could do that because that 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 is the closest mm -hmm. to like plot stuff like that there's this very malevolent doctor whose basically goal is to just fuck with people's like sexuality and like kind of psychosexuality in these very nefarious ways for like uh, you know un, unclear yeah. ads uh, but, but that yeah anyway so like but there so there's that happening in this but then that doesn't even begin to account for what actually the rest of the substance of the, of the book is. Well, and I'm also going to like spend a little moment on what Burroughs refer like titles, the atrophied preface, which was added to the U S edition. It was published first in England and it was actually called the naked lunch, which is weird. <laughs> um, yeah, just the one, just the one. And, 
Bill appears, and this is this, you know, the the Burroughs character or whatever, and he mentions the practice of writing. So is it okay if I just read a tiny bit here? We we can't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> You're no longer on this podcast. That was your idea. So he says, writers talk about the sweet, sick smell of death, whereas any junkie can tell you that death has no smell. At the same time, a smell that shuts off breath and stops blood, colorless no smell of death, no one can breathe and smell it through pink convolutions and black blood filters of flesh. The death smell is unmistakably a smell and complete absence of smell. Smell absence hits the nose first because all organic life has smell. Stopping of smell is felt like darkness in the eyes, silence to the ears, stress and weightlessness to the balance and location sense. And the reason I read that is is both because he talks about writing, right? Like he signed post-it saying like writers talk about. And because the sort of like sensory artifice is present in this book, I would suggest. Yeah. So that like is another theme that we can like allow us to get closer or whatever. Yes, I think that that's really important. And that, you know, I mean, a lot of poetry works that way too, right? It's it's that it just, it that's just so not part of narrative technology, right? Um, the, 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 yeah. the encounter with the world is being, well, I don't know. I mean, like narrative tries to put that sort of information into some kind of order, right? I just, yeah, like, the, suggest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, these scenes would not be out of place in other, these passages would not be out of place in other works that had a plot. Yeah. Like, or, and that yeah. had character and yes. that had all yeah. these other things. You could, you could take the snippets out and stick them in something else. Yeah. Except yeah, yeah, that yeah. the whole book is like that, right? So it's like, yeah, exactly. it, you read a paragraph like this, which is why I'm like, don't ask me for context because it doesn't fucking matter. No, I mean, that's the fucking <laughs> thing. I mean, even, you know, so so Ulysses notoriously, uh, that it, it's stream of consciousness, right? You can actually describe the plot and locations of Ulysses. Absolutely. You know, like there yeah. there is that, you know, and this, no, absolutely not, you know. I'll say this also. So- there's a scene in Ulysses near the beginning where he's just pooping. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole thing is yep. he's pooping. Yep. He's in the outhouse. And I, and I recall that scene as charming and, you know, just really like that's just pooping. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's It's actually not intended to be quite as gross as it sounds like we're yeah. describing it. Yeah. It's just like very basic forms of living yeah he's reading and pooping yeah reading the paper and pooping and and i and i think i think to whatever not i mean shock value isn't even the right word because i i really don't think that that was what joyce is trying there but to whatever the reason you're like well he's taking a shit right now it's because that isn't narrated but there's no real reason for why it isn't because a lot of other basic ass shit that people do is in novels all the time you know yes there's like, yeah, eating, it's as yeah. much the same kind of scene exactly as him eating a sandwich and drinking a glass of wine later in the book. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? These are just things the body does. It's like yeah. sexuality in that book too, right? It's like a fundamental bodily need, I would suggest, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. very different than love, which is its own like fuckery yeah. in that book. Yeah. Absolutely. But this is, I don't remember any specific shits in this. You know, no, it's just people, a river. It's, it's a people lazy getting river. covered with yeah. shit, shit falling out of buttholes. It has that, but not you know, not like just a normal go into the bathroom situation. Yeah. That's it's not, not an everybody poops kind of. No, no you know, normalizing. No. no. 
Okay, so the context is actually like opposite in the sense that like, oh, this is going to be kind of fun. So obviously, like, like anybody, you can do versions of this, you could do it where you sort of track the censorship case, which is not very interesting, but you could and you could do this as like a beat book. I don't really care about that very much either. <laughs> so I'm going to do like two seconds of biographical information because he actually was an interesting person. No, first, I'm going to talk about reviews. And then I'm going to talk about the biographical stuff. And there's a couple reviews. And one is by Mary McCarthy, who we love. It's in the NYRB. And it's called Dejeuner sur l'herbe, which is ha lunch on the grass, you know, like Manet. <laughs> but also not but also <laughs> well they're naked in that painting and at the lunch uh-huh. i see uh-huh. the connections now it's or all- they're not all naked but a la- one woman is naked the men are dressed edouard manet everyone so it's like hey a lunch joke <laughs> okay um and then there's a review called ug as in U-G-H. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's titled by John Willett in the Times Literary Supplement. Because honestly, like English literary critics in the 50s were like just a group of white psychos <laughs> who only <laughs> talked to each other and demanded that their wives bring them, you know, fucking sherry or whatever they drank. Their wives who did half of their books for them. <laughs> yes. <sighs> they really seem like a terrible group of people. Except for the Birmingham school, they seem great. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so in the NYRB, Mary McCarthy says, the literary notion of time as simultaneous, a montage, is not original with Burroughs. What is original is the scientific bent he gives it and a view of the world that combines biochemistry, anthropology, and politics. Burroughs' remarkable talent is only part of the reason. The other part is that finally, for the first time in recent years, a talented writer means what he says to be taken and used literally, like an RX prescription. The literalness of Burroughs is the opposite of literature. Unsentimental and factual, he writes as though his thoughts had the quality of self-evidence. In short, he has a crankish courage, but all courage nowadays is probably crankish. And I, I, in general, like, I love Mary McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not sure I would promote this particular uh, form of courage. Um, <laughs> she did have good politics, by the way. I just want to yeah. signpost that yeah. as, as yeah. important. But I do kind of like, like, she helps me to think about this in a slightly smarter way. Because her talking about literalness makes me kind of go like, oh, literalness is the opposite of literature. Okay, like, now I'm getting somewhere. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. Because I get, so the unsentimentality of it, yes, I, I absolutely get that. And and I think that, the, that like, lit, like, the literal could be sort of used as some kind of antonym to the, the sentimental, maybe. But I just, I mean, what, what okay, as the opposite of literature, yes. like, what? What, what does that, what would that mean? I guess it my- means that it means that it sounds really good and that there is a grain of like truth somewhere in it, but it doesn't actually fucking mean that much, yeah. I think. Because like, I don't know what's, because what's literal or not literal about anything else? I mean, any other work of literature, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And why, wh- what, what about this is to be taken literally? Well, Isn't the entire thing? 
not mostly not literal. Well, so I guess where I'm what I'm wondering if that would mean something like okay, you're doing stream of consciousness, but you're not, you're still like, this isn't, uh, you're not offering metaphor or things like that. You're just really are trying to write out every weird fucking thought and image that pops into your mind. In which case that is like a literal record of consciousness, but it, I don't know. And I, I have no idea if what I'm saying is right, but I was just, is that, did, would that work? Something like that? I mean, it just to me, it, yes, it does as an idea totally work it to me, <laughs> and it also does. It also doesn't because the moment that you start crafting a naked lunch book, yeah. and you decide to put all this shit in front of all this other shit, you're ordering. You're th- like, this is not how you think. Yeah, I don't think no one thinks right. anything like this. Right. So it is not a rendering to me of anything it's a representation yeah well that's i think the open question that i can't that's the that's the thing that i can't square is like what does it mean to write out an account that part of 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 like the guy coming where it's just like jaguars and lemurs or whatever mm-hmm. is like i can't figure out if that's figurative language or not like what is that a metaphor for it's not how it works it's terms are not about figurative language or it has moments of dialogue but n- yeah. those don't cue up to the way we talk either no right? yeah I, okay and and also I, i'm sorry I, I feel like we're getting maybe a little or this is going to take us a little bit further away from mary mccarthy's point but but something else i was thinking about with this and then comparing it to other sort of like stream of conscious need consciousness e type projects is what the fuck does the subconscious in a in an expressible way even look like because we, I mean, yes, we all walk around with a lot of random sensory shit happening and a lot of thoughts that aren't connected and sort of like narrativized in some way. However, I think what, as what Katie was saying, like this untransmuted lump of like, you know, really, I mean, I just, I mean, I feel like we would just completely short circuit if anyone truly did like right. walk around with this, like at the level of like kind of expressibility. So one thing I am wondering is if there's a claim here that you, you need drugs. To, if you really want to get into that, you need drugs. To to just rip that any like remains of the edifice off of it to actually see this stuff. But again, and and I'm but I'm also not even really sure that that's what this this book's trying to do either. It's junkie consciousness, apparently, yeah. which is like much more hallucinatory than I guess I gave it credit for. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean that was the other thing. I felt like this was more much more psychedelic than what I would take sort of opiates to be. And again, I'm not. <laughs> An incredibly paranoid, a, carno- a, yeah. a carnival yeah. of sexual deviance. Yeah. Yes. 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 Hundred percent. Yeah. And it's this a Cirque du Soleil type situation is unfolding before us all the time. Yeah. It seems like he's been on meth for nine days. Yeah. That. Well, that's the other thing too. I mean, it, again, and I'm not. You know, opiates is not something that I uh, would would dabble in because uh, you know, quite <laughs> quite dangerous. But my impression of them is that yeah, you know, it's like you know that stare at your shoe for eight hours kind of thing. This feels like yes, yeah, psychedelic and methy. I mean, this feels like yes. a fucking feels- speed. Super paranoid. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, those feel messy to me. But I don't know, man. My brain (laughs) just—it's just in there. But mostly, it's pretty uh, narrative, actually. Anyway, 
But okay, so that's what Mary McCarthy says. And then John Willett says, and he he says like Burroughs writes in chunks, and he clearly means that in a vomity way. Um, <laughs> so the chunks that Burroughs writes in taste disgusting, even without the detailed but always callous homosexual scenes. Oh, no. uh, yes, yeah, yeah. And the uns- I'm clutching my pearls. Yeah, and the unspeakable homosexual fantasies, pure verbal masturbation that figures so largely in the Olympia Press volumes. Burn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it can't be unspeakable homosexual fantasies <laughs> if it's verbal <laughs> masturbation. Boom. Got you. Because, yeah, this guy's a, like, the problem with this book is not that it's gay sometimes, which no. it isn't, by the way. It has no, like, it, it has no, I don't know, like, it has no form of sexuality that seems based on libido. It's just based on gro- gross, gross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's no. just well, it's just hilarious too because I mean, to the extent that this is trying to do the you know the the shock the bourgeois version of literature, like this is the chud that this is is for, and he's like, yes, totally. I was exactly 100%. as mad about that as you tried to make yeah. me, like you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like, dude, you were like you were just confessing in writing how hard this book owned you. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the Olympia Press volumes. Yet there are perfectly intelligent supporters of these books who see them as a deliberate indictment of the society we live in, (laughs) as a satire on the American way of life, a great comic saga of the world below the navel, or a nightmare account of the drug addictions through which the author has passed. And it's like, it's not a cautionary tale. (laughs) I would love to read a great comic saga of the world below the navel. That sounds funny. That's called Ulysses. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, called yeah. Ulysses. That's yeah. called. I would rather watch an entire tour of puppetry of the penis than. <laughs> um. Well, it partly that's also like he's mad at Olympia Press because they published the Ginger Man, which is also like. It's just like, oh, a guy wants to fuck people. I mean, I like that book a lot, but it's and the story of oh and like a lot of Bataille and mm-hmm. uh and the the fucking Beckett, the trilogy, the novel trilogy. Oh um, yeah, the um, um Malloy, is that is that the one? Malone dies. Yeah. There is a very sweet postcard from Samuel Beckett in the Ginsburg archives. That basically is like, thank oh. you for saying such nice things in your letter to me. Love Samuel Aww. Beckett. That's, yeah, that's awesome. That's nice. But, and when I saw it, I was just like, that's such a sweet moment. But like sex, gross sex is kind of what he's this guy is talking about. And all of those books, I mean, not the Beckett, but those other books are just like, oh, right. Like weird B&D stuff. And, mm. But the idea that it would be like amoral is very funny. It just again, I mean, it's it's it. This is a letter about how hard the book owned you. Like, yep. you know, I mean, why? <laughs> reading stuff like this just makes me want to say, "Grow the fuck up to the per." Like, just just grow up. You're an adult. Put on just your big boy you- pants and read a book without being a jerk about it. Yes. Take off your big boy pants. <laughs> put them back on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Well, yeah, no, and again, I I don't know. Like when I start, it's like, hey, maybe maybe just you know, being uh being a child of the internet age, I'm just not easy to. The, we're we're just not easy to shock anymore. But but I, I Megan, I, I agree with you that I think that a lot of the like, oh my god, is 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 this another bleeding bleeding butthole that we're reading about? <laughs> like I do feel like even in the 50s, that would have been a general impression. Like th- this is this even by 1950 standards is peak chud. Uh, this uh, this yeah. Willett guy. <laughs> but when if you think of all those books, like people publish. Some wacky shit in the for in the fifties yeah, that yeah. was just like I think Bataille. There's a scene where somebody fucks somebody's eye hole. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's like there are yeah. other books that are that sure. are sexually gro- like re- gross. very gross, yeah. like not yeah. explicit, but like gross. Yeah, yeah. And this guy acts like it burrows fucking invented bleeding butts. Yeah. I just I also just does he think people are doing this <laughs> no I mean does he think the other, that's the other thing it's it's it? like, like I mean what? are there like some really graphic and just dis- yeah I mean a ton of really graphic and disgusting uh sex acts and also just body acts generally yes but again to get offended in that way you would have to be able to get much closer to envisioning anything that's described as a person than this book yep. enables like I mean I I just I can't get worked up about the I mean again more, you know, getting this kind of like reactionary sexual morality is fucking stupid to begin with. But I mean, even if you were like so inclined, just the ability to get mad about what, like, just I mean, th- these things have no relationship to humans in the world. No, no you know? exactly. Like, so. No, and it's it's like, what is your yes, concern? Yeah, yeah. What is <laughs> what your are you worried yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's let's yeah, have that like, conversation because I'm sure it's we like can the all kids will do these. snuff porn and then come back to life and do it again and then show up. You know, like what? No, like, yeah, just- <laughs> they're all going to be lighting themselves on fire and hanging each yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and fucking fuck each other after they hanged each other. They come, you know, it's right? Like, I mean, it's and then like, setting on fire and coming yeah. back to life. Please yeah. get in this yeah. man's head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's again. Yeah. <laughs> Although I bet this motherfucker loved Jonathan Swift. And apparently, yeah. you haven't read Swift if you don't remember yeah. how gross some of his stuff is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. Like, I, no, I mean, jo- Jonathan Swift from 300 years ago would have, re- I guess, 250 when this was written, would have looked at this and been like, mm, "Okay, what? Uh, <laughs> what do you got next for me?" Yeah, <laughs> I also write about poop. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah it's like hmm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some notes on this for the next poem I write. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> talking about like the king of satire was like lots of stuff on poop get ready yeah, yeah. like i'm not sure this functions as a satire because it's too it doesn't have an object <laughs> no and and again i mean that like i mean my my actual complaint with this book is that i do find it to be kind of reactionary nihilistic ultimately. yeah yes i agree which you is know, boring that, yes i i, yeah, I agree 100%. with that too yes yes and I'm just giving a teeny tiny, like, the biographical sketch. You probably know all this, but, like, Burroughs was from this fancy family and born in St. Louis. And he went to Harvard, and then he spent the rest of his days writing and doing drugs and (laughs) fucking some people and moving around. Because when you shoot your when you shoot your wife in the head yeah. in a failed game of William Tell, you gotta run around a lot to yeah, beat a the, murder rap. Yeah, I mean that that is a deeply fucked up story for sure. It's very fucked up, yeah. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> I think all three of us are underestimating the effect that 
alcohol and drugs can have on yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, my when I what I have read about that, uh, yes, he did kill his wife in a failed game of William Tell. Everyone involved in that scene seems to be just a level of high and drunk that I cannot begin to fathom. Right. They're like, why? Like, I have to function. I don't have an allowance from my parents yeah. that lets me like kill your wake wife. up to. <laughs> Well, there's that. Like, but also, like, take, you know, get drunk or high, stay up for nine days, wake up two days later in a different country. Yeah. And it's it's like, I feel like if Ernest Hemingway were at that scene, he would have gone to AA the next day. You know? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> or he would have been like William S. Bro- not William S. Bros. Like Alan Ginsberg would be like, well, I'll put him to bed. <laughs> yeah, yes. Put him in his own bed. <laughs> yeah. Wake up eventually. Yeah. And also, anyway, he lived to be 83 years old, William S. Burroughs. Well, LMFAO. Yeah. Fu- yeah. Fuck everybody. I live to be 83. Um, and very with it at the end of his life. He did tons of interviews in his last decade, and a lot of them are are quite good mm-hmm. are they all like look how old i am can you believe i got this old whoa <laughs> this is nuts There's i'm so old that. and like he was an icon of 80s and 90s punk and like m- music and art and movies so he's in drugstore cowboy like that's a that's a very famous he's a character in that and um he's on the laurie anderson album which it's it's very weird but it's also like Burroughs is kind of great when you give him like an extremely limited scope. <laughs> and you really don't let him go really out in his own brain. Fed some in there. Um, give some parameters. <laughs> parameters would be nice. All, uh, all he needed was some boundaries. He's a he's a he's a two year old. Yeah. He needed boundaries. Yeah. Um, Makes him feel safe, secure, and uh, he was the old guy. Like when he met Ginsburg and Kerouac. They were uh, college students and he was a little older. And like, I, at the end of the day, I think he was the best writer. And you can fight me. (laughs) Kerouac was simply not very good. And Burroughs wrote some really good stuff. He also wrote some garbage. But I don't know. I think there's like, there is like actual talent there. It's really strange. But this book survives for a lot of reasons. I just don't think it's a novel. I think like we have to dispense entirely with all the things we expect and and be like, that was disgusting. <laughs> and that, that there's something to that. I don't know. Like, I kind of liked it the more I thought about it over the last couple weeks, because we all finished reading this two weeks ago. And so now I had this time and I was like, Oh, I actually sort of connected to a couple scenes in there. Oh, there are scenes in there. Did yeah. my brain make up that they were scenes? <laughs> Did I invent that? I don't use I don't use opiates, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Hard to so, say. So, and and I. I I marked. I'm going to read a couple paragraphs because it, uh, my I uh, started underlining because I, I was, was like, Gilbert wait. Godfrey. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll do in the uh, Gilbert Godfrey voice. No, I, I, I won't be bringing that character back. Although you be, feel free to imagine that. No, I underlined it because I was like, wait, wait, wait. We're we're getting we're getting something that looks like a claim here. I'm I'm excited. And then okay, so this is a chapter called Ordinary Men and Women, and this is the this, you know again like the the. 
the kind of social critique stuff that it's like, okay, there is like a point here and maybe it's not just kind of purely like humans are gross and like Neil, like Jonathan Swift in his absolute darkest uh, moments. But then it, it does, it, it that very quickly falls apart. So Why don't you go fuck a horse and then go to hell, sir? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's called Ordinary Men and Women. It's 112 in this edition. And okay. So here, here's, I'll read, yeah, I'll read a few paragraphs. Uh, they're, they're short. Um, <clears throat> the end result of complete cell- cellular representation is cancer. Democracy is cancerous and bureaus are its cancer. A bureau takes root anywhere in the state, turns malignant like the narcotic bureau and grows and grows, always reproducing more of its own kind until it chokes the host if not controlled or excised. Bureaus cannot live without a host being true parasitic organisms. A cooperative, on the other hand, can live without the state. That is the road to follow. I'm obviously getting very excited here. The building. (laughs) Right, you're like, I'm on board. (laughs) Okay, okay, we're getting somewhere. Yes, opposite of democracy. Yes. What he's just described as democracy. For yes. For. Yes. Um, the building up of independent units to meet the needs of the people who participate in the functioning of the unit. A bureau operates on opposite principle of inventing needs to justify its existence. Bureaucracy is wrong. Are as you Peter hurt. Kropotkin right now? <laughs> I mean, that's what it feels like, right? I mean, this is like, this is an anarchy, like, a, you know, an anarcho communist sort of vision that's happening. Um, also, like a critique of like Marxist Leninism and the like skepticism to towards the bureau, the right? Yeah. Bureaucra- bureaucracy is wrong as a cancer, a turning away from the human evolutionary direction of infinite potentials and differentiation and independent spontaneous action to the complete uh, paratism of a virus. It is thought that the virus is a degeneration from more complex life form. It may at one time have been capable of independent life. Now it has fallen to the borderline between living and dead matter. It can exhibit living qualities only in a host by using the life of another, the renunciation of life itself, a falling toward the inorganic inflexible machine towards death matter. Bureaus die when the structure of the state collapses. They are as helpless and unfit for independent existences as a displaced tapeworm or a virus that has killed the host. In Timbuktu, I once saw an Arab boy who could play a flute with his ass. There we go. I mean, okay. So, I mean, I, I, I needed to read that last slide just to show the mm-hmm. fucking like insane, like we're back to like, you know, just bodies are gross and also doing like not even vaguely racist shit around here. Some of this, but before we got to that, like back into the, like the cesspool of what this book thinks humanity is. Like I, that does seem like a somewhat sincere claim that is emerging there, and that I do think like expresses something about the book's overall kind of social critique, and and that's I'm it's like okay, I'm I'm actually can follow you a bit on some of this. Not and but you can't follow very far. No, because we're, no, <laughs> no, exactly. Yes, no. and and. and and, and 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 it like deliberately throws up a pretty severe roadblock if you start doing what it I just was throws doing. Throws up. There. Yes, it throws. Yes, exactly. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, may, it it gets something like a point and then just barfs all over you. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I mean, this- that's a great metaphor, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, but sincerely, he is fucking with you. That's yes. why. That I think that's why I objected strongly to the review, even yeah. though. <clears throat> I probably shouldn't have because he's just doing this to be a fucking edge lord. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there, yeah, there is, there, there is definitely that. There is definitely that as, as a huge part of this book. It's just, just like, Oh, this is the steely Dan fucking me in my ear hole. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, not a- this, this has moments, but that paragraph, I mean, cause I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. Bakun and shit, <laughs> man. Yeah. No. <laughs> 
no, no. Yeah. Like there were there were a bunch of scenes or a bunch of sentences or sections like this one. N- Naked Mr. America burning fran- frantic with self bone love screams out. My asshole confounds the Louvre. I fart ambrosian shit pure gold turn. <laughs> it's funny. My, my cock spurts soft diamonds in the morning sunlight. <laughs> Like you think you're gonna get some comment on what a, what a man representing America would be, yeah. and it isn't anything. And the the quote unquote cleverness of it is that in fact, if you did have a man who represented America exactly, he would also just be as good as being gross. You know, it wouldn't it would mean as little? It's sort of funny. It's fu- but when you laugh. You, it's a it's almost a pure shock it is a pure shock laugh. It's like a 70% shock laugh. Yeah. And it's I mean, like 30% funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yes. I guess like I would a, a a more and I'm not saying that this is my take. I I I think a slightly more sympathetic take to what the, the book is trying to do might say, you know, the United States of the 1950s is a fucking horror film. And like with just a lot of just absolute vile, dis- I mean, ever for the thing from fucking you know murderous Jim Crow to uh, to, to McCarthyism, mm-hmm. and I mean, like, does that does a society that fucking deranged deserve anything more than gross out humor? Now, again, I'm not saying that no. I that that is my thought, but I do think that there would be a way of reading the kind of critique of the book as doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's really interesting, because a a certain, it's very hard for me not to be tempted to go into a certain sincere part of my brain, and think that this is, you know, this is Ginsburg, that it's, I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving hysterical naked, right? Like that, that that has something to do with the best minds of my generation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, angel-headed hipsters, and it has nothing to do with that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, no. yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't really think that we're minded in the way that it's like that you would have a best mind. Who has a best mind? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah for no, for sure. It's it's a good mind that can write. My asshole confounds the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, it's yeah. certainly like it's. Is it a good mind or is it like? A brain it's like it's weird like galaxy brain (laughs) i I, I feel like did you invent galaxy brain he was the the original galaxy brain i have to say i think i've well i don't know that i've wound up any like any closer on this than we started i do i appreciate a (laughs) lot of what this book's trying to do i find it a very interesting object it frustrates me in a lot of ways and i i don't know that i will be reading it again soon but i'm glad i did read it (laughs) i think that it's like there's a lot that is more substantial for talking about it, but I don't think that something more substantial means that it's like it does. I'm not sure it benefits from like a deeper read or like a right. close reading. No, right. That is the thing about Ulysses is that it's really rewarding yeah. to read it again. Yeah, because you kind of go like, oh, Stephen is like even more of a pee pants, and Leo Bloom is even funnier, and like, right? That's those scenes unfold in these really hysterical ways that I that I sort of love. And duh, he was reading a lot of Bergson and whatever, but like, 
I'm not sure this book is rewarding to read it closer. No, like imagine imagine doing an annotated edition of this. What are you going to say? The Louvre is where the Mona Lisa is. It's smaller than most people think. Ambrosia is what Zeus ate. Some of his sexual practices are similar to those found in this book. Here's here's what Tangier Here's what it is. The the technical definition for the sex acts that Burroughs is describing here would be cropophilia. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I, somebody pay me money to do that. I would do that annotated edition. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine someone doing it the way that, um, oh, I forget the guy's name, but that sycophantic editor of, of Nabokov. Can you imagine like, the great man passed out in his own urine. You know, like, <laughs> Alfred Appel, yeah. Yes, um, yes. I went to visit Burroughs in Tangiers, and it took him three days to to stir himself from the pile of shit that he was lying in. You know, I watched Drugstore Cowboy for the thirty fourth time last night, and I found new valences in its propaganda. What? I love that. I love that idea, though. Like, I want, I want so badly for Grove Press to pay me. Forty thousand dollars, which is the lowest amount of money I would do that for, <laughs> <laughs> to <laughs> uh, to do that version of Naked uh, Lunch. I mean, yeah. Burroughs really is an interesting person. Like, I think there's a lot. Like, but I think the movie Naked Lunch probably is the biography that he needed. Not like we right. don't need anything else. Right. Right. It's not fair to do it in a way that feels has any coherence. Wait. Oh. Do you guys know what that title means? What naked lunch? Yeah. No, tell me what a no. naked lunch is. Is it naked like a- lunch? Is the moment? This is it's from it, it, Kerouac actually said it the first time, which is the the moment when you look at something on the end of your fork and see it for what it truly is. So it's a radical yeah. defamiliarization. Is how I think of that. And sort yeah, and I just, set, I like. Don't- Sensory experience, like removed of any of its kind of like you know social context or something like that. Okay, it that's is fine. like look Thanks. at my <laughs> hand, man. I've never seen it look yeah, like this before. Yeah. I, I mean, took no, I too mean, much mushrooms. Look, it's naked yeah. hand. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a high it's a high thought is what yeah. it is. You know, like, it's yeah. a very high thought. But it's like you know, bro, my friend is so smart. When he gets high, he says the smartest shit. Yeah, 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 bro. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's the best. But so, yeah, that's I mean, I think that the metaphor there, though, is like, okay, well, that's what it is, right? It's like unmediate. It's it's unmediation. It's you see the thing. The thing is totally unfamiliar to you. And so now it has meaning. Yeah. If I weren't so cranky about the buttholes (laughs) and I usually wouldn't be, I would think that was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I think this book is actually quite interesting when I try to take myself away from it's like, you know, the group of weirdos who are like, this book is really good. And I'm like, I don't think it's good, but I think there's like things here. If you don't read it, it's good. If you don't read it. So don't read <laughs> are it. Are you supposed to poop on it? What You're are you doing? Supposed- just, just get just catch a quote or two. Just anyway. it happen. Happen it happens to you. You it are to you. you are in the thrall of the butts. Let it wash over you like a river of okay. So um, the talent agent says, Oh my god, what are you that's disgusting? What do you call it? And William S. Burroughs says, naked lunch. 
<laughs> That's the punchline of that joke forever. Now. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Naked lunch. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Naked lunch. Naked lunch. Naked breakfast. Naked dinner. Well, I know a man who had all of those meals. If this is Jamie and- Oliver. I'm going to be very mad. <laughs> no. F, that's right. Boy. <laughs> That was a joke from 20 oh. years ago. <laughs> oh, I'm cute. And make, naked chef. <laughs> make fancy food for me mice. Yep. Uh. The naked chef. That's uh. exactly what William S. Burroughs was talking about. <laughs> yes, he's the, yes, he was talking about Jamie Oliver. Anyway, this guy, Mark Haskell Smith, wrote a book called Naked at Lunch. And it's about him going around to all these nudist events, nudist vacations, luxury I literally had nudism. no idea this was real. I thought you made it up. <laughs> no, no. This is a real, real ass book. This is a real book. Um, so he's like, he wants to see what being a nudist is all about, et cetera, et cetera. So I will read two small bits just so you can get uh, so you can get a sense here. One thing he like does. Incredi- it's banal. If everybody else is naked, it's just like. Yeah. It's it's just you get used to it. Like if I've been to a Korean bath, you're used to it inside of five minutes. Okay, but have you been on the big nude boat, a special charter offered by Bare Necessities, the premier nakation travel agency? And there's a footnote there. Nakation is a portmanteau of naked and vacation. But oh. you probably filled that figured that out on your own. No, I didn't. I was lost. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Ad material. Yeah. <laughs> fucking cute by the way in your footnotes and say you probably already figured that out no i guess we didn't need this footnote (laughs) 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 it's tristan's uh are you what are you doing for your 20th wedding anniversary is it going on a vacation on a ship yes you you know you know uh christine and and me well and you absolutely that that is our seed and you're cool and you want to hang out with cool people yeah yeah oh odly odly yeah yeah these people sound like the coolest yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's awesome i Um, want norovirus and never to put my pants on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Here's another. Here's his his big um his big entrance into the world of you know. Anyway, you'll hear about it. I heard a song thumping out of the poolside speakers right on cue, as if they knew I was coming. Like I had my own theme song. It was Super Freak by Rick James, the soundtrack for my entrance into the world of social nudity. Okay. Yes, I read this book. I hate I him more than William S. Burroughs. Well, oh, yeah. he does say a lot about how his wife is extremely not amused by any of these new antics. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, I have a okay. I have a naked quiz. It's a quiz where we all keep our clothes on, but um, it has to do with nudity. And I strayed from this book because it's bad. Uh, I mean, it's nice that he did that whole thing. It's good. He can write a book. It's impressive. Um, it's not very long. That is good. No, it's not. It's not very long. Um, but anyway, let's see which one of you is the nakedest luncher. Are you ready? Okay. Korean spa, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Question number one. At the nudist resort attended by Smith, our author, what flavor of bagged snack does he first encounter? A, Cool Ranch Doritos. B, Sun Chips. 
C, Lay's, lightly salted. Or D, Funyuns. <laughs> Crumb, crumbs in your pubes. Doritos. All of this. I'm sorry. Naked eating is just generally (laughs) revolting. I like. I. It's. These are not things that. I mean, you know the Seinfeld episode where like there's the good naked and the bad naked, and yeah, yeah. Oh God. Uh, (laughs) Which of those? So okay. Which would be grossest? Is how I'm going to answer it. And we're cool. Okay. I mean, I I have a very ambivalent relationship with cool ranch Doritos. Generally, it's like, oh, this is a nice treat. And then by the third one, I'm like, I want my regular bag of Doritos. (laughs) I mean, Funyuns is just such a ridiculous Jesse Pinkman ask thing to 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 (laughs) eat. Um, like that's what I'm going. It's like, I mean, like let's make this as absurd as fucking possible. So yeah, let's do Funyuns. Funyuns is good. I still am picking Cool Ranch Doritos. I don't think that flavors should come in dust form. Um, that's your first mistake Ma- you Megan, don't want the need, flavor packet you, you need to up your, your weed game <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. I mean like box mac and cheese is nauseating yeah yeah. Lee delicious. <laughs> no, I I'm going like... to live twice as long as both of you because I'll be preserved <laughs> from the inside out. That's what sodium does. We know this yeah. from the mummies. <laughs> we know this yes. from my grandma also. <laughs> uh, cool Ranch. Okay, so you're Cool Ranch. You are Cool Ranch and you are a Funyun. Okay. They're fun. So question number two. This is This is cute and charming. It's not directly related to Naked at Lunch. It's about just about a nudist guy. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. So, okay. There's this area in Nevada of beaches, naked beach times. Creek Beach, naked. And there's a guy called the Grandfather of the Beach. And this guy, Mr. North Swanson, this is from a nudist blog. <laughs> North has taken on the protection of all the shore. He's been involved in political activism to protect the beaches, parking, and trails of the vicinity since 1981. Protect I dare parking. Yeah, you want to have nude parking. I dare <laughs> say these beaches would have been lost to clothing clothing optional use several years ago had it not been for the efforts of Mr. Swanson. North heads a group known as the Tahoe Area Naturists or TAN tan he charged he puts a newsletter out for three dollars a year uh if you want it it's, <laughs> yes, I, yes i fucking do if anyone wants to it the, it, the mailing address is p.o box 975 <laughs> zephyr cove nevada mm-hmm. um nine eight nine four four eight so anyway <laughs> you just have to pay for postage you such a pay for postage so this man this hero he is a, and he is a hero tristan wants to <laughs> wants to just go to walk I, into the ocean at one of these beaches. Yeah. Yes. There's no ocean though. It's got to be some man-made lake. It's Nevada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this hero's personal email, the domain, is it at this naked man? Is his email address a at aol.com, b at hotmail.com, c at yahoo.com, or D, come on, we all know it's not gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, AOL. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And also with the, the whole Tahoe area, I was just, I was just, uh, I'm like writing extra scenes of Godfather 2 where Fredo comes to them. It's like, Mikey, I found this nudist beach down the road. Can we, you know, I feel like we're not connecting anymore. Let's do it. And he's like, I want him at the bottom of the lake. But, you know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I feel like AOL is this dude's speed. Okay. AOL. We got it. Okay. The author, we're back to the book. The author attends a new dysfunction and there's a sign with the, right, right, when he, right when you enter. You go mm. in, you take your clothes off, and there's a sign. What does the sign say? A, if shorts, pants, and undies are required, I'm not going. <laughs> B, abandon clothes, all ye who enter here. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. C, I'm in the nude for love. Oh man! I mean, B is the B is like these. This that's cooler than these people are. C has the fucking like useless hippie. Like we're just gonna say love and shit vibe to it, and wow, that's kind yeah. of what I'm getting. So I'm gonna say C. Okay, I'm gonna go with B just because I want it for us. Yeah, I no, I B is the best, but I, I feel. And like I want to reward the fact that Katie, you wrote two of those, so yeah. something yeah. is awesome yes. in your brain. Yes. yes. <laughs> We knew that was the case. Okay. So there is this nude cruise, right? A nude cruise. You can go on the Bare Necessities Glamorous Grand Tour, which takes place, Tristan, you'll love this, on a majestic five-masted luxury sailing yacht. It takes you Mm. from Rome to Venice with nudist-friendly stops in six countries. I'm now a naked travel agent. (laughs) This swanky trip. Okay. This swanky trip. How many new naked friends can you expect to meet on it? A, 1,500. B, 3,000. C, 4,000. Or D, 6,000. I'm so sad no one listening to this can see your face, Tristan. (laughs) Well, I'm just, as, as I explained when we did Billy Bud, which was, I believe, a, first rate ship no it wasn't but there were like 600 just like how bad that would have stunk and even with you know you can like take baths and stuff on modern things i'm just imagining that many naked people together and i'm just i you know we're back in the 18th century (laughs) i'm gonna say 1500 because those numbers are increasingly horrifying and i don't know that i can deal with more so I'm going to double or nothing, and I'm going to say 3,000, which I know is B. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. I'm going to rip this. All right. Um, And here's the last question. Last question. Which of the following actually happens in the Naked at Lunch book? A, the author encounters a gentleman, sort of a guide figure, who's under the pants anatomy uh, when he's walking around the pool and such. He describes as being, quote, not unlike a grandfather clock. (laughs) Okay. B, our author and hero is warned about the dangers of not using sunscreen because his doctor has a not totally unfounded concern he could develop squamous cell carcinoma on the underside of his scrotum Mm -hmm. or c 
The author takes a twenty. What are you 20- doing? That the underside of your scrotum is the first thing in the, the sun, though. The the the, the taint tanning that is is such a huge uh, trend <laughs> these days. <laughs> Wasn't wasn't there? A, I mean, Katie told us about this many yeah. episodes ago. But now, isn't it yeah. like some sort of like uh, reactionary moral panic? Which it's like, wait, I hate I hate Tucker Carlson and I hate hippies. Like, this, yes, you know? yes, <laughs> both of these things. That's they're yeah. not. They're all yeah. out back yeah. sunning their taints. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> together. Yeah. Um, but C is the author takes a twenty three and me and shares that the test has quote a promising start with point. 0.7% Native American DNA. <laughs> okay. And I should say two out of three of these are true. Oh, I'm trying to remember what the first one was. Uh, the grandfather clock dangles oh, like the grandfather right. clock. That's, yeah. That's gotta past be true. Past a towel, perhaps. Past a towel. Longer um, than anything you've ever seen in your life. The third one. The twenty three and me with the yes point uh, seven yeah I don't know I'm t- you know the the I'm, there's Tristram Shandy uh, resonances <laughs> with that first one with the, the the clock but I'm gonna I don't know I already I you know the, I got stuck on the the taint tanning is what these people do so let's go with B you know like, <laughs> okay so Megan you've got that interest in you've got the I want to reward people who are point oh seven yeah. Indian. The the taint tanning is so Tristan, you think that one's made up? Ah, eh, fuck it. I'll just yeah, I'm, I'll stick with B because you know whatever. <laughs> who knows when this book came out? Um, so I'm gonna give you your results now. So first question, it was Cool Ranch Doritos. So Meg, you got that one. Oh wait, but I I'm excited to win as as someone who likes to win, but I don't yeah. also yeah. want to. so we'll see what happens here you were both correct it was an aol.com address of course yeah (laughs) megan your aspirational choice abandoned clothes all ye who enter here is actually true and there were three thousand naked people on the naked cruise god you're both well and i know tristan you that was my (laughs) fault that I said the question wrong at first, but um, no one picked the lie, which is the balls like a grandfather clock. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, he really did both. One, uh, the, the, he makes a visit to a dermatologist. He does the 23 in me to see how long he can be out in the sun and decides he needs to go to a dermatologist after that. Oh uh, there are a lot of problems here. I don't have time to get into all of them. But <laughs> he talks about a, a standing <clears throat> on his head in the sun and um, – and he, oh. she, she had a patient who stood on his head in the sun, and it was a problem. And he goes, "How long can someone stand on their head in the su- in the sun naked? Long enough to develop squamous cell carcinoma on the underside of his scrotum." Oh, you know, this is just so much more upsetting than anything in in Naked Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, so what did I win? What you ran yeah, away I know, with Megan, this. I what you what you want is like you, I mean you you have too close of a uh, uh, insight into these people's <laughs> minds. <laughs> okay, this is this is clearly Oregon shit, right? Yeah, now. no, that's mm-hmm. a, no, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You you have a you have a, a long term yep. knowledge of the hippie that <laughs> that is yes. just a burden that unfortunately I think you must carry. Although it you know it probably you know you get around hippies and you probably know how to like get out of that situation. <laughs> well, I also like start to tremble and and like go completely yeah. insane and. Yeah. 
you can be naked at the Oregon Country Fair. Like right. it's perfectly fine and acceptable and people like paint their boobies. Yeah. Um That's it's fine. also naked. It's also legal to be topless for women and I put that in quotations in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> um, I mean I mean, so, I'm I, I'm I'm fine with none of this being criminalized. I'm just the you totally. Know, the, I don't want the yeah. Except I want them put in titty jail. <laughs> I just I just object to adopt or to uh, like uh, proposing this whole sort of culture around this. That's, totally. that's what bothers yeah, me. You know, yeah. like anyway. And then I don't know, man. I feel like this is like setting people up to be like you know the suburban people who are like i'm oppressed because i like to be naked <laughs> yep 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 you yep. know yep. anyway i my hippie my oregon insight yet again saves the day that's awful congratulations um, and i'm sorry yeah yeah i'm happy and sad for me <laughs> but this has been better than dead you can find me on twitter at tusslersaurus you can find katie on twitter at katie crywo you can find tristan on twitter at tj schweiger uh, you can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Red Pod, and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com. But only if you thought Naked Lunch meant something and you're <laughs> waiting for us to explain it all. <laughs> we want to know what you thought it meant. Um, our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Rate, rate, and review us. Subscribe. We just we love it so much next week we have weathering heights and then murder on the orient express and it just it's all up it's all uphill it's all whichever way you want the hill to be going <laughs> from here yeah exactly like it's all sunshine and rainbows and not in the way that dh lawrence wrote a book called the rainbow <laughs> yeah no not like that at all it's good so thank you comrades okay. he said hey sport you connect the dots. You pick up the pieces. He says, you know, I can see two tiny pictures of myself and there's one in each of your eyes. And they're doing everything I do. Every time I light a cigarette, they light up there. I take a drink.